It's the Lawn and Garden Show with Walter Reeves on News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB. It's brought to you by Pike Nurseries, your neighborhood garden center. Playing in the dirt for more than 50 years. Call now with your lawn and garden questions at 404-872-0750 or 1-800-WSB-TALK. And now, here's Walter. It's 7.08 on a Saturday morning, 50 degrees outside, my friends. Not the 60s we enjoyed for a couple of weekends ago, but nippier now down into the 40s over the next few days we'll have the full weekend forecast in just a little while right now it's the lawn and garden show i'm walter reeves and i am here to help you be more successful doing whatever you want to do in your garden and all you have to do is give me a call at my magic phone number 404-872-0750 ashley frasca will answer it answer it sort of help you get your question straightened out and in good form and you'll be on the air with me First person in line, Paul's out in Lilburn, Georgia, and joins us. Hey, Paul. Morning. Hey, good morning. Hey. So for the last couple of uh, sp- early springs, we've had dweller bees emerge from our front lawn. Yeah. Um, and uh, we have fe- fescue grass, and it, it's just destroying um, the lawn. And I think they come out, you know, for a couple of weeks. There's like thousands of them. They don't bother. I can mow over them. They don't sure. bother anything. Sure. But then I think they're gone, and then the next spring, here they come again. And, and so is there something I can do over the winter to take care of them if they're hatched in the ground right now? Why? What damage do you see to the fescue lawn? I have them in my lawn. I have St. Augustine grass, and I don't see any damage other than the little mounds for a couple of weeks. What damage do you well, see? Well, the mounds actually, I guess, I don't know if it's you know, Georgia clay underneath it or, or what, but is the, the mounds... Uh, just create little tiny bald spots. Yeah. And so, um, you know, where the holes are. At first, I thought, oh, this is great. It's like I've had my lawn aerated. I don't need to do it. <laughs> but then, it's, uh, you know, over the summer, I just noticed it, it seems like it thins out the grass. Now, we did have our lawn aerated and overseeded a couple of weeks ago. Um, but, you know, again, it, I, I keep thinking that I'm not going to have that problem. But then yeah. for the last uh, two summers uh, or the early springs, they've, you know, just emerged. Um, but you don't think they do, and you don't think that's the cause of I don't. I don't. I think that it's more likely, it's more likely that weather and fescue's widely known intolerance of summer heat, there's more likely the thing that causes the bare or thinning areas in the fescue other than the bees, because I think you're right. They do do some uh, aeration effect. I mean, nobody else is out there poking holes in the ground other than the bees are doing it. You've got thousands of them, and they're obviously going somewhere to pollinate somebody's blueberry, apple, peach, whatever's blooming at the time they come out of the ground. So they do some good. They're not going to attack or anything. Those are the male bees we see swarming around the, the ground. So... I think all things considered, I would say they're beneficial, and not only for the pollination aspect, but also for the aeration aspect. And I doubt whether they're doing much damage to the fescue. So I say so I vote for leaving them alone. All right. So that was what my other question is. I, I don't want to kill bees, but I know we need bees. But these, they don't seem to go anywhere. They just seem to hover right there around the ground. All well, day. those are out. Those are the boy bees. Those are the lazy bees. <laughs> All they do is uh, guard the nests on, in the ground and make sure that none of 
those people, the lawnmowers like you, come mowing around over the top of them where the female bees, and by the way, the boy bees have those stingers, so they can't do anything about this interloper they see with the lawnmower, but the female bees are out doing the actual work, doing the actual pollination, and they bring their pollen back and put it in the ground, lay an egg there so the egg will have something to eat when it, when it grows up, or when it hatches out, and then they go about their business doing other things in other places, so they don't sting either. So you have no danger from either one of them. Alright, so I should just work on trying to have the best lawn and not yeah. worry about the bees. I th- that would be my, my advice. Well said. Alright, well I appreciate it. Thank you very much. You bet, Paul. Thanks for calling. Right. Comes to us now, Brother Jim from Calhoun, Georgia. Jim, hey, good morning. Hey, Walter, how are you? Hey, man, I'm great. What's up? Good. I got some persimmon trees that I've sprouted. Okay. I sprouted them over the, well, kept them cold during the winter, sprouted them in the spring. They're four or five inches high and did really done really well in little pots. And now what's the best time to replant those? Or do I keep them warm maybe during the winter, keep them indoors, and then plant them in the spring? How tall, are they, now, how tall are they now, Jim? About five or six inches and got good leaves on them. My inclination is to put them out. The only thing that I would worry about in putting them outside is they're still so small that any wandering rabbit or squirrel that comes by, or chipmunk even, and chews off the top is going to be a major, major damage mm-hmm. to it. But I don't think it's going to be any happier indoors or in a garage or any place like that. Okay. So my suggestion simply is to plant them where you want to outside and get a little roll of chicken wire and make a dome over each one, or anchor right. it down with some sticks or pins or whatever you want to use, and protect them from animals and let them be outside. I think a persimmon is perfectly adapted to winter cold, to weather damage that might come from freezing temperatures. I'd leave yeah. it alone and be outside. Great. One other quick question. I know sure. some are male, some are female. How do I tell that? And then when does that, uh, I won't be able to tell it for some years, or can I tell it now? You can't tell it now. You won't know okay. until they fruit or don't fruit is when you'll okay. know. So. <laughs> okay. okay. That'll be several well, years from now. Appreciate your help very much. You bet, Jim. Thanks. And just Thank enjoy you. the foliage. That's all we'll do is enjoy the foliage and the leaves on the tree. And uh, whether it's male or female, that'll sort itself out later. 404 is the number on Lawn and Garden. David's out in Williamson, Georgia, and joins us. Hey, David, good morning. Hey, how you doing, Walter? I'm all right. What's going on? I'm trying to figure out. I'm trying to get rid of coffee bean in my garden. Do you know what coffee bean is? Absolutely. I know what coffee bean it, is. It, I've been trying to get rid of it for three years. You know Steve Kenny from Nature's Tree Farm? Yeah, of course. I, I've been trying to get rid of him. I started at Andy's Nursery back in 1972. Wow. Pretty and, long career then. So I'm an old man. A coffee bean. For I cannot listeners, get rid There are I, listeners out there who are not like you and me that don't know. These listeners don't know what a coffee bean is, David. It is a... And it's an interesting-looking plant because, number one, the lobes of the leaflets are real rounded, uh, yep. uh, oblong yep. sort of. And yep. at night, they'll fold up. So if, at night, if you go to see a coffee bean plant in the pasture in your garden, many times the leaves will be folded up from the center like a sensitive plant would be. And they have the little slender pods. They're about five inches long, I guess. And again, the reason for its name, coffee bean or coffee weed, is when you open up that seed pod, it does smell vaguely of coffee. So we call it coffee weed, coffee bean. Yeah, that's my neighbors, all of them, Donnie, all of them down here, they call it coffee bean. Yeah. There's another name for it. 
it's, it's, a, it's an annual plant, so I know that it comes up from seed every year. It does not come up from its roots every year. So an annual plant many times can be controlled by putting what's called a pre-emergent out, a chemical that keeps seeds from germinating. It's this, they don't work all that well on great big seeds, and these are relatively large seeds. So if you think this is appropriate to put a pre-emergent like HALTS or, or, or the Lesco 007 or Benefin. In, in a garden? That's in a garden. Well, you can do it in the rows of the garden, maybe get some of the coffee weed that's in the rows under control. And there are, there's at least one, and I've seen it, preen, read the label on the preen, on the preen box and see if preen has a pre-emergent that can be used in the garden. That, uh, it's in my garden. That's where it's at. I ain't worried about it nowhere else. I'll push on rest there. <laughs> the other solution is the one that my dad employed, which was to employ the 10-year-old, 11-year-old, 13-year-old, however old I was when I was a child, and could manage a hoe. <laughs> And hoe the darn things out, and that was I, no. There's too many. There's maypop. Hey, do you know what I'm, maypop is, David? Yes, I do. Well, yes, maypop and coffee weed were my two sworn enemies in the garden because my daddy would just point me at the front of the row and say, "Get all the weeds out of that row, all the way down yonder to twelve miles in the distance." <laughs> well, I'm, I'm sixty, and you're not sixty yet. I'm sure. Well, you went. Uh, you went to school with my buddy Mark Porter. Of course, I did. Sure, Mark's a greenhouse guy yeah. in Fayette yeah. County. Yeah. Uh, me, and, me and him are good buddies. I'm just trying to... Everybody keeps telling me how to get rid of them, and they ain't going away. Well, if you keep after them, if you keep after them, David, and I mean just year after year after year, they have a certain number of years of the seeds, once they're dropped, can stay viable in the soil. So not all the seeds from this year that get dropped will come up next year. They may wait one, two, three, four years before they come up. And that's why it's a persistent situation rather than anything that you can do, one spray kills them all. So you keep hoeing them, spray them if you have to, a little Roundup here and there. I think you can use some of the formulations of Roundup in a garden and just keep after it. Eventually, eventually, Walter said when he went to college and told my brothers, eventually y'all will get rid of that coffee weed out there in the garden, but I'm going to UGA, goodbye. And we'll see what my brothers say about that. All right, it's 718 at Newstalk WSB. Back to more Lawn and Garden after this. This is Scott Slade, host of Atlanta's Morning News on News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. We'll be covering breaking news, Kirk Mellish weather, and traffic red alerts through the weekend. And the Southeast's largest news team is here for you first thing Monday morning when you head back to work. News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. Now back to Walter Reeves, the Lawn and Garden advice you need. So, Jason Byers, what is Booker T's last name? That was Booker T. MG? MG's, everybody. Not MG. No, it was not MG. Booker T. I don't know. Jones, if I'm not badly mistaken. Booker T. Jones, Green Onions. A quick weather update brought to you by Ackerman Security. Tonight, Partly cloudy today, I should say. High 77, low 57. Tomorrow, cloudy. Chance of rain tomorrow night. High 76, low of 66. Full chance of rain on Monday. Gardening is good in the weekend and rain it all in, water it all in on Monday. Your full weekend forecast comes up in 10 minutes on News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB. Thomas is down near the airport and joins us on Lawn and Garden. Thomas, good morning. Hey, good morning, Walter. How you doing, man? Hey, man. We're doing all right. What's up? Well, we... About 20, 23 years ago, we planted three variegated euonymuses out by the mailbox, yeah. and my wife trims them a couple times a year to get a nice, round, smooth ball on them. 
And this year, back in the spring, it looked like they had some mildew on them. And right now, about uh, half to two-thirds of the leaves are gone. We're looking at sticks. Yep. And my question is, if I prune them back, will they come back in the spring, or do I need to start all over again? They will not come back, start all over again. Do not plant variegated euonymus ever. That is not what I wanted to hear. That is a truth, my friend. If you plant it again, you're going to get mildew, or if you don't get mildew, you'll get euonymus scale, and one or the other will kill it eventually, after three, four, five maybe years. Why go through all that hassle? I I agree with you there. What's a good substitute, something that'll get about three feet high, three feet wide eventually? I'm thinking across my neighbor's house. He has uh, ever-blooming rose. It's not in the knockout. It's a different rose I think he got from Pike. It's called Bloom, Blooming Again. It's one of the roses. It looks real nice around Carl's mailbox. Um, you could do um, Loripedalum and some of the easy ones that never get any problems. Loripedalum is easy to grow. Doesn't get many problems. Loripedalum Purple Diamond I think is the right size for a mailbox. Yeah, look, Laura Pedalum we've gotten it does very well in the uh, in the front yard and the backyard, so maybe that's a good choice. Yeah, and again, look look on the label to make sure you know what size the mature size of it is going to be, because if you get one that's six feet tall, that's a little bit too big for the mailbox. So you want to get one that fits underneath the mailbox or make the mailman mad. All right, very good. Is it too late now of the year to plant those now, or or wait? No, this is perfect. Perfect time. If you did it this right. weekend, remember, it's going to rain on Monday. So if you did it this weekend, it would be the perfect time to do it. Well, I'm getting ready to fly out of the country. won't be back till Wednesday, so uh, it'll have to wait till then, I guess. Uh, I think it'll be fine, Thomas. We'll, we'll wait Good. for you. Thanks, Walter. Appreciate right. it, man. Hey, have man. Be one. safe. We'll see you soon. Bye-bye. It's 727 at News Talk WSB. A reminder that if you have not subscribed to the Walter Reeves Georgia Gardener newsletter, it's easy to get and it's easy and fun to have lots of articles in there. There's a lot of information about gardening in Georgia. Subscribe to it by going to my website, walterreeves.com. Up in the upper right-hand corner, it says subscribe to newsletter. Click that button. It takes you to WSB. We register you here. And every two weeks, you get a free email newsletter all about gardening in your neighbor neighborhood neck of the woods. That's the Georgia Gardner email newsletter, available at WalterReeves.com. It's 728, back after news. It's the Lawn and Garden Show with Walter Reeves on News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. It's brought to you by Pike Nurseries, your neighborhood garden center. Playing in the dirt for more than 50 years. Call now with your lawn and garden questions at 404-872-0750 or 1-800-WSB-TALK. And now, here's Walter. 7.36 on a Saturday morning, 50 degrees outside. This is Lawn and Garden. I'm Walter Reeves, the Georgia Gardener, here to help you be more successful in knowing whatever you need to know about gardening. And Jason Byers. Jason Byers back on the uh, question and answer stump here. So we've determined that Booker T. Jones was the composer, the band leader of the Booker T. and the MGs. Second question, several callers, by the way, during the break called to confirm it was Booker T and the MGs, and his Booker T Jones was his name. Middle name, T. Taylor. Taylor, you're actually closer than you know. It is named for a county. Oh, he was not named for a county, but his name is the same as a county in Georgia. And it's not Thomas County. It is Tolliver County, T-A-L-L-I. A-F-E-R-R-O, Talia Ferro, some people pronounce it, but it is really Tolliver. Booker, Tolliver, Jones Jr., and the MGs playing Green Onions.
But then well, we learn something random on random, we learn something random every day, and particularly here on the Lawn and Garden Show at seven thirty-seven. And Charlene in Oxford wants to learn something random about her angel trumpets. Hey, Charlene. Good morning. Hey, what can I do for you? Love your show because it's full of practical advice. Oh, very practical. What do you need practical this morning? All right, I took six cuttings of angel trumpets yesterday. Yep. I've got them soaking in water. Yep. Two of them I want to raise in tree form okay. to anchor my garden. The other four I want to put in pots. My first question is, can I put more than one plant in a pot? Yes. Okay. Can I mean, they a big pot. in I mean, full give sun? Some, you want to give it some space in there, Charlene, so not a little six-inch pot or anything like that. But All right. A good so t- start them in 18, a 12-inch pot. Yeah, easy. All right. The yeah. rule of thumb for people arranging flowers is three or five. Could I put three in a big pot? If it was an 18 to 24-incher, I think you could. Okay. Start them off in miracle growth uh, potting soil. I think that would be fine, yeah. Okay, yep. and they love they love to be fed. How often should I feed them even though I start them off in good soil? I think every four to six weeks would be okay, and don't overfeed. In other words, don't put way too much miracle Grow, which is what I would normally use, or maybe Osmocote. If you use Osmocote, it's okay. only every four months, I think, that the Osmocote label says it is a very control-release fertilizer, so you can put one down, one application down in four weeks, four months, I mean, is what it'll last. I got you. Okay, thank you so much. I appreciate Wait, it. I'll let you, you need, know in the spring how well they turn out. You need some random, random information, Charlene, and I have it right here for you. Okay. Look at the stems of your angel trumpet. Each one of those stems that you have that you've got soaking in water right now to root it has these little white dots, which, as you have observed before, I know those little white dots will eventually become the roots that come out mm-hmm. into the water, and mm-hmm. know, that's when you repot it. And those little white dots are called lenticels, L-E-N-T-I-C-E-L-S, lenticels. And any plant that has lenticels along its stem, generally speaking, is easy as pie to root. And so mm-hmm. you've got angel trumpet, uh, confederate rose is certainly easy to root. And other plants, if you notice the sort of semi-woody plants in the garden, if they have have the little lenticels on the stem, then you can root them in water, just like you're doing with the angel trumpet. Mm-hmm. There you go. Speaking of Confederate rose, if you've got just a minute, I've got one that was planted way too close to my house. Yeah. It is smashed up against my windows, and it's above the roof line. Big boy, yeah. Didn't get cold. Didn't get freeze. Didn't get frozen. Didn't get cold enough to freeze this past winter. All right, can I cut it back a lot, a whole section out next to the house and leave the rest because it's way too big for me to transplant it? I would try anyway. Surely, Charlene, you've got somebody who could help you because it smashed against the house. It's never going to be happy there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And you can cut it down to three feet tall mm-hmm. and pick it up and you know, leave and half the behind it. and move it away from the house. I think okay, it would be happier and I'll be happier too. I think that is how... Okay, yeah. all right, thanks so much. I appreciate your advice. Thank you, Charlene. We'll see you soon. Bye-bye. It's 7.40 and that gives Dan, Dana his turn. Dana, good morning. Welcome to Lawn and Garden. Hey, good morning, Walter. Hey, man. What's up? Uh, I got some uh, varmints trenching up my Bermuda spot pretty badly. Uh, I got uh, mold. Yeah. Uh, Throw in the chipmunks, and <laughs> I've got such a large area to cover that the little traps and whatnot I don't think are the way to go. But uh, um, do, I, do I need to get rid of what they're feeding on before I try to get rid of the moles? I'm really not sure which way to go here. 
I have one, two, three, four, four classes of Master Gardeners that I taught this year, and the topic was mm -hmm. how to control, how to manage nuisance creatures in your landscape, moles being one of them. And I have a whole series, and I have some traps that I show to the classmates, and I show the one that shish kebabs them, that stabs them, you know, in the ground, one that grabs them and squeezes them, and I talk about smoke bombs and things like that. And I conclude, none of them work. Don't waste right. your time with traps or with poison worms or with um, juicy fruit gum or smoke bombs or right. all these things you've heard. You've heard them. I have too, Dana. Yeah. And yeah. the only thing to me that works and is generally easy to accomplish is just to go out and smash down the tunnels until they decide to go somewhere else. I mean, I know it takes some walking. Those are long tunnels. I understand you've got a lot of them. But eventually, if you walk down the tunnels, it doesn't take long to go every two or three days. You just walk them down. The moles will say, I'm going to go over to that person's yard or back into the woods, or it'll be time for a dog or a cat to dig one up and kill it, and that'll be the end of the story. But I think modifying its environment, modifying the habitat by mashing the tunnels, is probably more useful in a shorter time than traps and poisons ever were. What are they eating? Grubs, earthworms, springtails, uh, sometimes they can find the cocoons of various beetles and uh, butterflies and things right. underneath the ground. Not butterflies, but other beetles that they live underground. They'll eat those. And, and then the chipmunks make the larger size holes. Yep. And, you know, I've heard the mothballs and all this nonsense put them in the hole. But, you know, that, that, that doesn't seem to... Uh, I, don't, I don't know what those brown squirrels are <laughs> doing... As well as up at just their house. Or, yeah, that's just a house and a storage place. That's where they put their you know seeds and nuts they store during the during the fall, okay. and they put it in there for the winter time. And I'm glad you noticed it that the mothball is nonsense. Mothballs do not repel animals, not squirrels, not chipmunks, okay. not anything. So not snakes, nothing. So we okay. don't use mothballs for any kind of animal management. But the <laughs> best thing with chipmunks and realizing. On the one hand, my good angel says to mention that they are a protected species. You're not supposed to do anything that makes them feel bad or, you know, cause them to feel badly about themselves or their family. But honestly, sometimes you just don't need as many chipmunks as you have. And so you can either trap yeah. them in a live trap and remove them to another, you know, suitable habitat. Or sometimes I put a water hose down in there and just let it run for a while. It won't drown them. It'll make that end of the tunnel un uninhabitable because it's so muddy that they'll make a tunnel gotcha. somewhere else, maybe further away from my garden or further away from my landscape. So either trap and right. remove or put the water hose in there and make it uninhabitable for them. Well, what you said reminds me of something. Maybe I can uh, – I used to have a sod roller. Yeah, yeah, sure. You know, it's 300 pounds. <laughs> It'll roll it down roll real it. quick. I could roll these sods from time to time try to get uh, get those collapsed. Okay. Sure. Well, thank you for your uh, input. Practical advice, Dana. I'm telling you, that works, and uh, many other things that are claimed to work do not. Right. All right, man. Okay. We'll see you soon. Thank you. That's what you pay me the big bucks for, friends. Pra practical advice on a Saturday morning. Sue needs some practical advice about her creek bank. Sue, hey, good morning. Good morning, Walter. I'm a volunteer at the Dunwoody Nature Center, sure. and I need your help with a challenge. We recently did a restoration of Wildcat Creek. You've seen it uh, years ago, I believe. Walked down past it many times. Yeah, and it's very nice, but it has left us with a very bald 
area right next to the creek. Mm-hmm. And, of course, we'd love to have children playing down there on some beautiful plant material like <laughs> I don't know what. Yeah. We've thought about it, the man earlier mentioned Mondo grass. Um, it, it gets limited light. It's right. in the shade, and um, it, it can be damp. And it can also, that the one um, tier that I'm talking about does get water when it's a heavy rain. So what did you remove that was there beforehand, Sue? Well, it was, uh, they scoured, they took down some dangerous trees, and then they kind of rerouted the creek. Uh. So really before, this area wasn't there, and it was uh, kind of a, um, a bluff with, uh, with rocks, big stones, rocks. Well, there are not many choices in limited light with yep. um, dampness and water coming down the hill and all the other things I'm thinking to myself. Mondo grass, maybe. Mondo and, and uh, monkey grass, liriope, uh-huh. could be your only solutions there. Both of them would stand the limited light and wouldn't mind too much having the water rolling over occasionally. Mm-hmm. What else could do? This is a case where maybe you, if you'd said, oh, we took away a lot of English ivy, I would come back and say, well, English ivy was doing the job that you're now expecting exactly. some other plant to do. Yes. But in this case, that wasn't your situation. I don't have any, many, any other suggestions other than the mondo or the uh, monkey grass. But you have helped. <laughs> well, at least I pointed you in that direction, but yeah. that's what I think. If you want to... Who else? The Georgia Native Plant Society might have somebody there that would be able to tell you a different different plant that would grow in the limited light, water coming over the top. Mm-hmm. You know, there's shrubbery and things. I've seen little bank sides that would have um, Virginia Sweet Spire on it. Virginia yes. Sweet Spire grows pretty well in low light, blooms a little bit in low light, but it's nothing that kids can play around. They'll mash it down, it'll die. Exactly. It's the kids and those little feet that yeah. um, are the challenge. Yeah. So... There we go. The Mondo grass. Even then, you have to sort of limit the traffic over the whole area. Maybe put some stepping stones and little mulch areas with pine chips, wood chips they can play on in the middle of it. But there we go. That's about all, right. all I can think you helped of. me. Thanks for calling, Sue. And thank you. Bye. It's 748 at News Talk WSB. We'll be back after this. This is Scott Slade, host of Atlanta's Morning News on News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. We'll be covering breaking news, Kirk Mellish weather, and traffic red alerts through the weekend. And the Southeast's largest news team is here for you first thing Monday morning when you head back to work. News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. Now back to Walter Reeves, the lawn and garden advice you need. Weather update brought to you by Ackerman Security. Today, partly cloudy, high of 77 degrees, low tonight, 57. Tomorrow, cloudy. Most of the day, it's going to be pretty cloudy. Chance of thunderstorms at night, high of 76, low of 66 degrees, and a lot of rain on Monday. So you can think about that as you do your gardening this weekend. The full weekend forecast comes up in 10 minutes on News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB. Pete's out in Marietta and joins us on Lawn and Garden. Hey, brother Pete, good morning. How are you? Doing all Good morning to you, too. How can I help, Pete? Another angel trumpet question. Yeah, sure. Last couple of years, I've, I've rooted them in sand and some vermiculate, and they do great. Yeah. Uh, downstairs under the lights, I'll get about nine or ten of them, nice big, huge leaves. And then a couple of them downstairs will die. They just wither away. Hmm. 
Uh, you pull them up, the roots look fine, nothing looks rotted. Then I'll take them outside and put them in some dappled shade to get them uh, acclimated before I plant them. And another three or four will die, and they just they just look withered. Hmm. These look withered, but the roots look fine, so I end up with two or three instead of ten. What's what's happening? Have you ever examined them to see if they have spider mites? Uh, not closely. That would be at least one thing to consider because spider mites are, boy, they love anything in the solanum family, in the, anything in the angel trumpet, tomato, potato family, when they're growing indoors, right. don't have quite the light levels they would have outside and don't have any competitors. Spider mites indoors don't have any competitors or beneficial insects that eat them. Okay. And you can have a real population explosion on some indoor plants. My Meyer lemon, for instance, every year is famous for getting spider mites because outdoors, the beneficials control spider mites easily. Inside, the beneficials can't survive, and the spider mites explode. And then by January, February, my mire looks pretty, pretty sad. Okay. And so that would be the one of the first things I would look for is spider mites on the leaves. You can take one and just slap it on a piece of white paper, and if you see little orange dots that are moving gradually across the paper, that's that's spider mites. Okay. I can't so think of much else that would cause with good-looking root system. You've got good roots on it. That's what is, is puzzling here. Right. So, so I can't think of what, anything what else. What should I feed them with? Get rid of the spider mites. There are oil concoctions. I'm Channel 2 Action News Meteorologist Brad Nitz with Atlanta's most accurate and dependable weather. Yeah, we don't need that weather right this minute. But the <laughs> oil concoctions that say neem oil is one brand name. Horticult okay, yeah. Horty oil is another one. But you spray oil underneath the leaves. That's where spider mites, if they're there, that's where spider mites are okay. always going to be, under the leaves. Would, that have, would they have killed my watercress? Because I have some watercress now. was going great. It's sort of the same thing. Possibly. If one of the best things, one of the best tools I have is a what I call a jeweler's loop. It's just a little magnifying glass. It's about right. two inches high and two inches wide. And it, it makes everything ten times bigger. It's a 10x loop. And when I use that, I can see bugs and things that I never expected to see before on the leaf of a, of a plant. So find yourself a loop. Go online, maybe order a loop, and use that to see if you have spider mites. And if we do, and you want to call me back and talk further about the watercress, we'll talk about that. How about that, okay? Thanks for calling, Pete. It's 758 at News Talk WSB. Back right after news.